Um, when the Olympics were, was on, um, I heard about the story about uh, one girl who was, I want to say Rowan. Is it Rowan? Do you not know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, so there was um, one of the rowers, British rowers, and she didn't like... She, I thought she, her story would be that she'd been rowing for years, but it wasn't. She just kind of decided, like, four years before the Olympics that she was going to row, and then it might not have been rowing. It might have been some other kind of, like, boat sport. Um, but, yeah, she just then entered the Olympics, and I was like, Nadine, we need to get a boat. <laughs> I do remember saying that to you. Yeah, she's nodding. Um, so surfing is, like, my, my new thing. And uh, it's, I'm not, I can't surf, this is the problem, but I figured, how hard can it be? <laughs> because we've got a friend, and um, he, he's an actual surfer, and he took a surfing down in Wales. And um, we kind of, he told us we weren't allowed to go in the sea first, and I was like, we're down by the sea, surfboard's got to go in the water, come on, let's just get in the sea. But apparently there's like all these things you've got to learn on the ground first. So he's got us there with the board doing... Like, I, don't, he, I mean, he could have told us to do anything. We'd have just done it at the time, thinking that that was what you had to do. But all this kind of, like, getting up onto the board, I'm like, how hard is it to stand up on a surfboard? And those of you who have tried to surf will know that I'm an idiot, because um, it is quite hard. But So we learned all the stuff on the, the sand, and I thought, OK, right, I'm bored of this now, and it's a little bit cold. Let's go in the water, and I'll warm up. That was a mistake as well, because it was October. Um, <laughs> We had wetsuits, though. It's fine. Um, so I get into the water, and uh, obviously, you want waves, but they're a bit of an issue because you can't get steady. So I've got the board on the sea. It's, yeah, it's the sea. And um, <laughs> Nadine's there with me, and we're giving this thing a go. And it turns out it's a lot harder than you think and a lot harder than it looked on the sand. And uh, the first thing that happened was that I drank a lot of seawater which was unpleasant, but I did do that. And I slipped off a few times, and um, I was having this issue, okay? Because I was thinking, if the thing would, the board, would just stay still, and the waves would just give me a second, then I'd be ready. But this continuous wave coming along, and then I'd have the board at the wrong angle, because I was probably staring at the sky and saying how pretty it was or something. The board would just keep smacking me in the head, and it would like float off and thankfully it was attached to my leg but that was also a bit of a comedy act as well and I was just like I just need everything to slow down for a second so that I can just collect my thoughts and work out how to do this thing and then I had an epiphany right there I thought the waves are just going to keep coming I can't control how big they are I can't control how far apart they are I can't control the damage they're going to do. They're just going to keep coming. And if I just accept that I'm not in control of the waves, then maybe I can start facing in the right direction. Because when you've got a surfboard in the wrong direction, you will get smacked in the face by it. But if you have it in the right direction, the wave will come, but you won't get hit in the face with a surfboard. It will just stay on top of the water. And you might not be able to stand up on the board, but you definitely will be able to get on. And you could bodyboard for a bit. And you could just hang on. And you can then even ride that wave. I struggled to stand up on it, if I'm honest. In that short afternoon that we had, I did struggle to stand up. But I was able to get onto it and then hold on. We live in a world where Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. But he also said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
both of those things are true. In life, the waves of trial will come, the testing will come, and the difficulty will come. We can't stop it. We can't control when they happen. We can't, maybe some of them we can, but you can't control the size of it, can't control the frequency. But if we put our perspective and our focus needs to be set on Jesus, sometimes we're going to look like we're surfing the wave and other times it's going to look like we're just holding on. But it's so much better than being continually slapped in the face and taken under by the surfboard and the wave. Ron, where are you? Ron's going to come and do our reading. Please. We're in, the, uh, we're in James, which you can find at the back of your Bibles <clears throat> or at the end of your scroll down uh, if you hit Revelation and then uh, come back a bit before, uh, just after you get to Hebrews. We're in chapter 1, starting at verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits in all he created. Thank you. Thank you for getting me to read such a cheery passage. Sorry. <laughs> it had no long words in it, though, so it was all right. Um... Scott, can I have the next slide, please? Oh, not that one. Not that one. That one. Um, can you take 15 seconds to see if you can work out what they are? Okay. Got them? Put your hand up if you think you got all of them. I can't see, so isn't that... Like, yeah, one person thinks they've got all of them. Um, so... 
The top one, uh, yeah, the top left, what do you think it is? Cheese grater. Oh, yeah, it's cheese grater. Top, top left? Yeah, that is my left, yeah. The one below it? Also cheese, cheese grater. grater. All right, stop cheating. <laughs> it is also a cheese grater. What about the top right? Cheese grater. Yeah, uh, you're getting these really quickly. <laughs> and the other one? Yeah, okay, I should have chosen harder ones. What I was going to say <laughs> was that perspectives are important and things at weird angles are, you know, you don't always recognise straight away what they are. And whilst you probably, I'm impressed that you got the mushroom because I tried really hard to zoom in to that so you wouldn't get it. But um, yeah, perspectives are important, especially with um, communication. Being a teacher, I spend a big chunk of my time trying to encourage students to see their behaviour from more than just their perspective. They think about things through their own filter, which is completely normal. But that often isn't the whole story. They need to be able to see things from somebody else's perspective and understand it from that as well. In some cases, both parties could be telling the truth, but the perspectives and the filters are different. Um, once upon a time, a famous guy, Trevithick, said, we see things as we are. I remember that too. Um, so our filter and our perspective is important. If you only looked at these things, although you guys would have got it straight away, but if maybe I'd zoomed in and made it more complicated at a more weird angle, then you'd only be seeing... And in fact, if you only saw that of the, of the true image, you'd only be seeing one perspective of it. You wouldn't see the thing as it, as it is incomplete. So it's important that when we read the Bible and we glean life lessons from it, that we don't undo what we know about God in the process, but that Jesus' teachings becomes the filter through which we understand the verses that we read. This does mean that we don't just cherry-pick the parts that support what we want to do in life and ignore the parts that refine and challenge. Which brings me to the book of James and that really cheery passage that we read. The book of James... um, wasn't initially favoured by um, an old theologian, um, 16th century theologian called Martin Luther. He had um, issues with it, but he did eventually accept it. But the issue that he had with it was that it seemed to be about, um, it was quite harsh. It seemed to focus on the law and it didn't seem to preach a message of grace. And it's, of course, easy to read James in isolation and to feel like it's incredibly harsh. It's only a short book, but it feels like, oh, it's really challenging. And okay, maybe that's too much, maybe that's too harsh. But to read it and not use the filter of who we know God to be and the message of grace would be unwise. It's important to realise that the Bible as a whole points to Jesus. All of it does. It's all about Jesus. And I say this but because to read the Bible without remembering who Jesus is is like only knowing half the truth, maybe even less than that. Jesus and his gospel of grace should be our framework to which we understand the rest of the Bible, including James. And I sort of wanted you guys to frame that, and you have, brilliantly. So this is our framework to read James. Because as we go through this passage, and as we meet the challenge of the things that James says and the things that God encourages us to be challenged by, this doesn't suddenly become untrue. Who God is isn't suddenly undone. And how we know him to be in our difficulty doesn't become null and void because of that 
challenge. So I'm going to leave that there. And if you, at the end of the night you want to come and take a photo of that, because I know I certainly will, as a reminder of not only what I say when I say God is my, but what we all say collectively as church. And it's testimony to maybe what God's done in our lives as well. We're not supposed to get what our we're not supposed to forget what our faith is based on. And this stuff in James is the masterclass bit. It's the mastering of our faith. I feel like I get this sort of talk a lot, but bad stuff happens. We experience suffering. We make mistakes that cause our suffering and we live in the consequence of the mistakes of others gone by that contribute to it. We face trials that make sense and we face many trials that don't add up or make any sense. And yet, we have a God who is not distant from us in all of these things. He's right there with us and joins us in the parts that are difficult. But the reality is that he doesn't always fix it or remove it especially not always in the way that we would like him to. And naturally, we see things from our perspective, and we can't be blamed from that. We're not God. But the book of James suggests, us, suggests to us to consider a different perspective on our trials. He doesn't abolish or override the notion that we should pray to God about everything. Some of the trials we face are due to us, but not all of them. And it wouldn't be the full story to not take on board what James says. At first glance, really harsh, not very cheery. But actually there are a few angles to look at trials and the testing that we go through. And James provides us with another angle. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that testing, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I read that, and I've read it before, and I've even had people give me that verse when I've been going through difficulty. And I think, how can facing trial be considered pure joy? I'm not sure how he's come to that equation. And I, can't, I don't know if I can buy into it. How did he get to that kind of conclusion? Testing your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance builds faith and maturity. When our faith is tested, our faith muscles grow, and our faith is stronger interesting fact about our muscles. Um, Steph and I went running this morning and we're now feeling what the muscles do when they're starting to grow and I also went running yesterday morning and it hurts even more than that. <laughs> but when your muscles grow, when you, you can't, you've, what's got to happen first is that it's got to have this part, this tension and this tension's got to go beyond what it can do normally and so it hurts the muscles get damaged, but they have to get damaged and they have to hurt before they can then get stronger. It's really interesting that our own bodies do that. That to get our bodies stronger, our muscles to be stronger, our physical muscles, they have to be pushed beyond what they can normally do. And then as they heal, they get stronger. Weird or not weird? <laughs> because God made us. In the moment, I want the pain to go away and I want it to stop hurting. And yet at the same time, I want it to be stronger. I want my muscles to be stronger because I know I can't make them stronger any other way. And our faith is strengthened, strengthened as we wait on God and as we live out our faith. 
in the difficulty, I want it to go away. And I'm sure that you guys have been in that situation too, where you want it to go away. And yet, if I were to draw a graph of my life and plot on there the things that have been difficult, and then also highlight the things that have helped me grow as a person, they would be the things that I found difficult. They would be the difficulty and the sadness and the suffering that then I saw the most growth. I'm not glad that I had a major accident five years ago. I'm not glad that I couldn't walk and that I was dependent on people for the best part of a year. I'm not glad that I was in pain and the prospects of the outcome were not going to be great. And yet, I am glad in some ways because of the lessons that I learned and how my faith grew in that year. I'm glad that I saw people come to faith. I'm glad that I learned to appreciate people even more. I'm glad that I learned to depend on God and lean not on my own understanding. I learned to pray without doubting. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Let perseverance finish its work in us. It's a really bizarre turn of phrase. But if we want to be mature and not lacking in the tools that we need to run this race of life, we need to let perseverance finish its work. The original Greek um, points us to having patience with this maturing process, and I'm not very good with patience. I can't do the incremental progress, but you know what? God's teaching me that lesson over and over again, but I need to. I want to be someone who perseveres, and I want to be mature, and I don't want to be lacking in anything. I want to be able to ask God without doubting him. And I want to be stable in what I do. Sometimes we want the waves to just stop or slow down, but the reality is they don't stop and we don't control them. But God calls us to persevere anyway, to hang in there, to endure, even when it feels overwhelming. Because he is strong when we are not, and he is doing more than we could see or imagine. He knows the waves far better than we could know, And he knows what we're being prepared for. We are growing into spiritual maturity and ready for the next wave. I have discovered that there are no quick fixes that we can download in the Christian faith. That's perhaps why we spend the whole of our lives working out what faith in an awesome God looks like in real life. I spend the majority of my time in a secondary school. Um, Not because I went back, but I teach there. And I have a student who... um, I've got so many students, but this one student stands out. He finds chemistry really hard. It wasn't his favourite subject to begin with. But he, to me, epitomises the word perseverance. He meets every challenge head-on and perseveres through it. And I know that he finds it hard. In doing so, he's made some progress in chemistry, but it has been small. And yet, he comes to my lessons with enthusiasm and joy to a lesson that he finds really difficult. 
He's made some progress, but the bigger achievement that he has made is a skill that he's learned of never giving up. He knows what it feels like to work hard at something and see slow progress. I'm not very good at seeing my slow progress, but he is. And as I've watched him persevere and watch his slow progress and still not give up, it's been like, it's been a, a, a light bulb moment for me. He knows what it's like to feel like he, not much is changing, but to keep on keeping on. He's learning to cope with disappointment and learning to overcome mistakes. He's learning to take feedback and he's doing it with a healthy attitude. He thinks he's learning chemistry, but he's learned a major life lesson that I'm still learning. He's learned that nothing he's doing is ever wasted. I wonder if James is encouraging us to step back and noticing that God is not allowing our trial to be wasted. It's fair to say we're not always in the frame of mind to hear that, and maybe today is not the day to know that God is growing you despite the trial you're facing. Perhaps you've got no space right now to consider another perspective, but that's okay. God is big, and he's awesome, and he loves us and meets us where we're at. But maybe you do need to know tonight that nothing is wasted, and that your faith is being refined and matured. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that, a person will, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. My dad um, says that this is his favourite verse. He himself has faced many trials and seems to exude joy. If you've seen my dad, you'll know what I mean. Whether it's been health or relationships or poverty, he has kept smiling and kept the faith. He has never shouted that God wasn't real, but would continually ask, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know you are doing something. Not so long ago, I remember um, having my character and calling completely annihilated by a colleague. And at the time, no one seemed to want to defend me, and this person did, in fact, get away with doing it. It lasted about two or three years. And in that time, I wondered a lot about my calling and, in fact, whether or not this person was right. I weighed up what was being said about me and I tried to extract the feedback that I should hear. I tried to adjust my behaviour and how I was coming across or what was being said of me. I used to cry on occasion because doing that day meant stepping into what I felt like a never-ending barrage of attack and being under the microscope where it only seemed to be me and my behaviour that was on trial. My reaction was the reaction that everyone was watching. But I did persevere, and I did continually say to God, I don't know what is happening, but I know that you are doing something. I'd love to tell you the end of the story was amazing, and it all changed. But the end of the story is that nothing was ever resolved. Nothing was ever put right, and the person just left. But nothing is wasted. My faith did grow, and I became more resilient. And I know God has prepared me for more to come, and I know more will come. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. 
I don't know what trial or testing you are facing, whether it's work, relationship, sickness, family, money. But I do know that God is using it and working in you and in me. And I know, and it says in his word, that he is doing immeasurably more than we can see or imagine. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away from, by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death, not life. James really uses this to call us on our motivation for what we do. It's funny and not funny sometimes that I often have conversations with my students about the fact that I haven't been with them all day and they are responsible for their behaviour and not the entire class or their teacher necessarily and they've got to take responsibility for who they've been that day. And James would remind us that God is not responsible for our sin and the way that we give in to temptation. It's us, we're responsible. But it's not meant to make us sound like terrible people It's meant to help us understand our weakness. But God's even thought about that. He knows we're weak. So he says, I'm here and I'm perfect. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And he said, come and ask me for help. One of my favourite things that I've learned from being a Christian is that I can ask God for help in everything. Literally, pray on all occasions and in all situations and most importantly, all states of my heart. The other day um, in our life group, we were talking about prayer, and we looked at a simple model to help us pray. You may have heard it, ACTS, or when I was in running youth, I called it CATS. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Just a guide to, not that you have to speak to God like that, but that's a good guide so that you, uh, to help you pray. And... Um, At first I thought it was going to be really weird that we would be sharing through that framework all the way down to confession. And we were asked if we wanted to, to confess the things that we were struggling with to get right. But actually it was really worth doing and really worth us being vulnerable enough to share that we needed prayer for those areas and actually very freeing and releasing to do that. I wonder what people we might look like if we were people ready to ask for help and not keep repeating mistakes or becoming stuck in some sin. I'm sure we would see more of God at work in our lives, as our vision wouldn't be so blurred by the things that we get wrong. The passage ends with, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Our situations will change, but God doesn't. This is our framework that is still true, even though we face the challenge of maybe understanding what God's doing in our situations and how he's growing us and how he's using those challenges to prepare us and to grow maturity in us. But this is our framework because it is true that God is my everything. He's my safe place. He's my lifesaver, my hope, my peace, my strength, my all in all, my helper.
my greatest supporter, my soulmate, my rock, my constant companion. Those things are all true at the same time as this passage. So please, I encourage you, when you grapple with James and you take those challenges, and as I take those challenges, that you would have this as well. So what's the take-home? What are you facing? What have you faced? Where do you need God to help you persevere? Can you see how your faith is being matured? Or do you need us? Do you need your friends? Do you need church to gather with you to help you? To pray with you? Maybe how you see the wave coming needs God's vision and not our own. Maybe we need God's perspective on what we're facing and not our own. Rest assured that God sees where you're at. He sees where I'm at and he meets us there because he loves us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that um, you are all those things that we've um, testified to this evening, Father. And that that you are with us through all the trials, through all the stresses, through all the suffering, through all the um, problems and difficulty that we go through, through all the challenging and testing situations, that you are there with us and that we can take comfort from that. But Father, I thank you that it's not just left there, that all the things that we go through in life, they're not wasted, that you use them. And Father, I pray that, that you would speak to each one of us where we're at, whether it's at a point where we're ready to understand and, um, and grow, or whether it's that we just, we're just hurting so much and we're just stuck and struggling, that we need, um, we need you to meet us there. Father, whichever it is, whether it is that actually we're surfing the wave pretty well at the moment, but we want your strength and we want your help to be able to do that. Father, would, um, would we know that we can come to you with everything? So yeah, as we go out into this week, Holy Spirit, would you fill each one of us? Or would you strengthen us? In Jesus' name, amen.